Greetings, I'm Ellen Rohr. At Bare Bones Biz, we believe that your business can be a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom. Sound good? Great. Welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. Hey, if you just want to make some more money, you've come to the right place, too. On my show, I invite smart business builders to share success tips and tell their inspiring tales of challenge and triumph. So, saddle up, Biz Builder. The Bare Bones Biz Radio Show starts right now. Woohoo! Oh, we even have a little country music. I didn't realize that was going on. It's Ellen Rohr, and welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Blog Talk Radio Show. Oh, one of my favorite people on the planet is my guest today, Tab Hunter. Say hey, Tab. Hello, Ellen. How are you? <laughs> Good. You must be popular because our switchboard is full of folks who want to visit with you today and okay. listen into our conversation. So I'm going to do a little housekeeping for starters. If you've called in, lucky you, you can ask a question. You can press the number 1 at any time, and that raises your hand, and I will pay attention. And now and then, Tab, I'm going to interrupt you and me and okay. put um, a caller on the line to uh to ask anything that you'd like. And if it's inappropriate, then I can always I can always click them off. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Those will be your friends, not the ones listening to the monitor. It's just that I know the kind of friends, I know the kind of company you keep, Tab. We never know what could happen on this show today. But let me start by sharing a little bit about um, Bare Bones Biz and Tab. And, and uh, if you've come to be on the phone call today, let's make sure you're on the right call. I'm Ellen Rohr, and I'm the host of the show. BareBonesBiz.com is our website page. There you will find great help building a business with biz planning and uh, financial tips and tricks to help you become more and more successful in your own business. We believe that your own business is a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom across the planet. So we help you start, fix, and grow your own winning business. And one of the ways I do that is I invite really smart people to the radio show. Folks um, who are of interest to me, I know uh, well or would like to get to know better, and I know that they have something to share with you as a business builder. And I could not do better than my guest today, Tab. And I think I met Tab when he was about the age that uh, in that picture I sent around with the mullet <laughs> and the trans. <laughs> I think I think I mean, so. You can't send people pictures like that over the <laughs> internet, but. I did meet Tab when I think, um, Tab, you were about 24 years old, and um, he and I became fast friends. I signed him up for Contractors 2000 at the time. It's called Nextstar now, and uh, I, I always tell this story because you're one of the bravest guys I've ever met. I'm not a huge fan of um, new construction work, mostly because I've never figured out how to make money doing it. And Tab, you were in new construction at the time, and uh, I said, well, if you want to join us, keep in mind that uh, we're going to encourage you to transition your company from new construction to service and repair, because you can get your money faster, you can make more of it, and about 100 other great great things about uh, service and, and replacement work. Well, this was all on a Saturday. We had this conversation. We took your money, and on Monday I called Tab to, to get it started and, and help him down the road, and he had informed me that he had already exited new construction. <laughs> called all his contractors and said, I'm not coming back. You can pay me what you want to pay me. I'll help you find somebody else, but I am not going back. And that is the most dramatic turnaround story I think I've ever heard. I I almost wet my pants when you told me. I was I was a little nervous for you. <laughs> well, you know, I I I saw, I saw the light and I was struggling. I was struggling bad, working hard every day. And, and so many of of your listeners and our friends that are on either have been there and some may still be there, but it was challenging and to go see an organization where you had us uh the host and I was just blown away by someone took what I do for a living to such a professional level and, and made money is why, is why I was in business and why I wanted uh, to make the change. And so, I mean, you know, it kind of some of our friends throughout um, even those early C2000 days kind of dubbed me and made fun of me saying, we're going this way. We don't look back. You know, and that's that's basically what we did. I mean, we told them if we've drilled so a hole. So now you're all of like 27 years old <laughs> and you have a pretty uh, <laughs> amazing story to share. Well, you can't be 27 because you just – Celebrated your your twentieth wedding anniversary? Yes, I did in July. Is that true? Congratulations yep. Jack to you, and I. Jackie. Yeah, we sure did. We had a lot of fun. I wasn't working, as your uh, agenda says, and we were able to share some time together. And you know, she's got to be pretty amazing to put up with me for that long. I think. 
But. She absolutely is, but you're, you're a star yourself. So why don't you do this? By way of um, introduction, give, give us a little um, history of your career. You know, I kind of introduced where we started. You got started as a new construction contractor, and then you transitioned to, um, to service. And you've uh, made some mistakes and done some brilliant things. Why don't you share some of the, the salient points, the, the moments of epiphany in your career between when you and I met and uh, where you are today? Well, I think staying committed to that, that change that you talked about just then. We, we went back. We, we literally had a... a legal pad full of, I don't know, five pages front and back of things we're going to change about our business. And we we kept three plumbers of the new construction team that we thought we could train and put into people's homes and start to run, uh, you know, service. But I think the biggest thing was getting educated on what it cost us to operate and do our business. We had no idea. And it is not a strength of mine even today. It's not something that I enjoy is the numbers and the crunching and finding out what it is. But if you commit to it, and, and keep refining it as you go, we, we realize that no wonder we're losing money. We're not selling our services at what we need to be selling them for. So we, we sort of made a commitment of up or out, and that's the way we're going. And we, we printed our upfront pricing, our flat rate books at the time, where you know we needed to be, and we just stayed committed, and we trained Ellen every day. And the company grew. It really did, so much so that we became one of the largest service providers of residential plumbing service in, in the market in Nashville, and the business started running on systems, and I looked at my partner then, uh, as you well know, and most of our friends listening know, is Scott, and said, what do you want to do now? So in the spring of 2000, we went in the air conditioning business, and I don't know anything about air conditioning technical-wise, but we, we, we went to acquire and basically fell apart a deal, but by this time I had Yellow Page advertisement in place. I had bought reclaim machines and all this other stuff that goes along with it, and we just put it on top of our customer base stayed strong to our systems, and within, I think it was about 18 months, it was 68% of my business that passed plumbing by. So, you know, we kept going and going and going, and uh, the consolidation move came around. This was mainly uh, the Blue Dot, the ARS, when these guys were sort of battling it out back in the, was that be the late 90s, early 2000s in mm-hmm. this time, and we didn't, we didn't really entertain them, although we got approached a lot. I didn't feel like we were ready, both Scott and I. Scott's younger than me, and, you know, we were really young. We are in our early to mid-30s, and, uh, you know, I said, I'm not ready, and I don't have a business worth what I could sell it for and want to lead a lifestyle the rest of my life for, so what am I going to do? So we sort of passed on that and kept going and growing the business, and we actually hired um, a consultant to come in and monitor our operations, and we started building and built in a six-month period of time how we marketed the call, how we booked the call, how we answered it, how we ran it, and, and had a series of operations so we could go into multiple locations. And um, we hired, we had rental state on a couple places and was moving. Had GMs in place, had them trained. And, um, you know, I, with your career, obviously I talked about franchising a lot, and we may talk about it today. Uh, you and I kept in contact as you went through that world uh, as well. And my eyes started opening a little bit more to that because it was basically what I was doing, and I wanted to play on a bigger game. So I did take the company, which is a, a huge point in our career, and split it down the middle and became the franchise uh, one hour in Ben Franklin and, um, you know, ran those for quite some time, and our business took off. Okay, now um, let me interrupt you a second yeah. just to, because some folks joined the call in, in late, and uh, okay. I want to give you the heads up. If you called in and you want to ask a question, you can press the number one, and that will raise your hand, and I'll check the switchboard now and then. and. And uh, we'll let you ask a question, so be sure to keep that in mind as, as TAB progresses. And TAB, uh, so many of my listeners and my clients are in the, the trades, plumbing, heating, cooling, electrical, roofing, right. chimney sweeping. Some folks aren't. And so every now and then I'm just going to make a parallel for any business. You know, what you did was you actually shifted gears from one main uh, industry segment to another as you went from new construction to repair and replacement. And then you did something that can be risky and can be fabulous, and I've seen it do both. Right. You added a second division to your business. You know, I kind of scratch my head at that. Sometimes I think pure play is the way to go and just do that over and over and over again. But in your case, you went into a division um, that you did not have any expertise at. So you couldn't hop in the truck and rescue it and save right. the day. You started HVAC. Um, tell me a little bit more about 
that? Do you like that idea of leveraging divisions, different offerings to the same customers now that you're you're starting in business again? I mean, as you did that, what did you do right? What would you do differently with adding I, that that second division? I think that we um, we it is so scary. And I and as I sit back listening to you, I, I've seen so many contractors now since those days and talked and taught and trained and, and just networked and. I don't think it's for everybody, and not because they're not capable. It's a lot to do with your uh, your team, first of all. You know, we all know it's about the right people, and and we had the good stuff, I believe, there. But you know, we stayed strong. We had the luxury of of utilizing resources like like what services you provide or other consultings and, and things that are out there, and we just stuck to it. Now, I, I don't think it's for everybody. I think you know, and I don't think we perfected what we had in plumbing, and that's what that gave us that luxury. We had a pretty good, well-oiled machine. I will say that it was running very well. Uh, it, it, the daily bumps that come up happen. So, would I recommend it? No. There's got to be a plan. We planned and planned, and, and and our plan changed when the acquisition fell apart. But I had to do it. I had to. I had too much in place not to do it. Um, so, you know, we sort of migrated with my partner, sort of picked that up and took it under his wing. I'm still the boss. I'm still the top of the org chart, but sort of became his <clears throat> niche, if you will, and did become technical in it. So it did help. Um, you asked me about other trades and other divisions and other things in business. I think there's complements, Ellen. I think that the plumbing and heating and air go together and possibly some electrical. You know, we've got some large service centers here where I live now and, and back in Nashville where I used to live that do it all. I mean, some of my ex-employees, former employees, if you will, from Nashville and I keep up, and they're working at a company that does plumbing, heating, and air, swimming pool, uh, and alarm service. So when you buy a service agreement, they start monitoring your alarm. You know, I'm just like, well, I, I don't know that I can manage that. So I don't know if I've given you the answer that you're looking for. I don't think it's for everybody, first and foremost. No, I, I, I don't have a I, – I, I feel the same way about right. this. I think there's pluses, and then I think there's minuses. I think that um, you do, if you add another division, you certainly need to – Add another training manual and a, a training center, and let's let's um let's talk. We're still kind of midway through your story, and I and I'm interrupting because I I, I want to uh, underline some of the points you're making. So as you carry on with your story, talk about training, and then being a trainer, because I can see from my perspective, looking at your career, how integral training um, for your team and you as a trainer. Those have been tremendous uh, activities and so um, integral to your success. I think it, at least it looks like it to me. When I when I started training um, outside of our own organization, I was coached heavily not only by you but our other peers that said, talk about what you do. Talk about how you do it. So I had to really go back and, and think about that. You step onto your playing field every morning at 7.30 or 8, whenever you get there, and you go you go into your in your role and you do what you're supposed to do and and as, as I looked at it <clears throat> excuse me I I realized that you know first thing we did was we set the standard what is the expectation this is this is what we're going to do and and it doesn't matter which trade or business that's listening or or that's out there you know what is it that you want done and then you've got to say this is exactly how we're going to do it step by step with clarity and then once they can prove it can they can do it then you hold them accountable to keep doing it and and that's sort of what i taught and and i thought that you know i, I don't think i know i think some of the biggest challenges at least in my perspective from contractors is they're not real clear on what they expect they're never they're not real good at saying exactly how to get it achieved and then then to say this is the standard don't ever let it die and you know i learned that with growing up inside the, the trade and the organizations that we are part of, and you know we ran our business like that every day. I mean, it was it takes a long time, and and I don't know how how to define long, but eventually it becomes the standard at your company. For an example, once you go past the problem of uniforms, and that's a big one for people, is getting a guy not to show up in the cat diesel hat and wear the company provided hat. Once you get past that, and the guy is is pressed, clean, belt, shoes that match, you know whatever your standard is. Once you get past that, it all of a sudden the culture changes to one of discipline, and you can move towards growing. Because once, and this is what we've always taught, until you have a, a house of, of discipline, you can re, you're going to be challenged to grow sales. You've got to have standards in place that people know what's expected of them, and now you can start to say, okay, when you come across a 12-year-old air conditioning unit, you must run an energy analysis, you must run a cost of ownership, or you know, and, and sit back and tell them you know their options. You can't do that until you can at least get the truck clean. Let's break this down a little bit because this is so important. Um, you, you, 
start with the simple stuff, like getting them to show up on time and dressed right. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago you showed me your training on how to get people in compliance with how to fill out an invoice. And it involved PowerPoint presentation and a step-by-step pictures of your invoice completed with options, what you can do, what you can't do. Uh, You know, tell me, describe that a little bit, because I think what people miss is how much detail has to go into those basic systems. Right, and basically in paperwork. It's one of the biggest challenges. And 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 maybe it came from standing in front of the room too much. You know, I got got tired of saying the same thing over and over. This is the Mm -hmm. customer's info box. This is where you put their name. Here's, you know, where you write the task number, whatever. So I, I was able to sit back and do a voice overlay and record it, and I put um, an entire presentation together of the Tab Hunter Plumbing, Heating, Cooling invoice, and and they took a blank invoice. My technicians in their training, when the new a new hire, and would filled out a blank invoice exactly what was on the screen to exactly what they were hearing. So they got the concept, they understood everything that was required in which box. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then they would from there. I gave them fake scenarios that Ellen Rohr at 123 Paradise Drive is going to have a 52-gallon electric water heater that's leaking. She's going to buy it, so there wasn't any selling, because I wanted to see them write the paperwork up. She's going to use a Visa card, 123456, with this expiration, and went the whole, the whole thing. They would take and fill out five of these scenarios and then go see their manager. From there, they got coached, sent back to do a couple more, and they got progressively harder till they completed about 10, maybe 12. It's been a while. From there, Ellen, we had such a defined invoice. Our paperwork challenges, and it wasn't just the invoice. It was everything they were required to fill out. It was cookie cutter. We we had it to where it was cut out. Now, you can still do this without all the whiz-bang and electronics, and I'm going through that right now. I haven't recorded these slides. I've got very few texts now. We'll talk about what I'm doing now later. But yeah, I'll tell you what we did do. We took a Sharpie and filled one out with a fictitious service call, front, back, sideways, middle, laminated, and put it in the truck with them. And tell them, don't leave the job until the invoice looks like this. They're Absolutely. coming back pretty well Can't filled you do out. This with their uniform. Did you have, <laughs> did you have an um, uh, uh, oft-violated mannequin with your <laughs> uniform on it in your uh, training room at one point? Well, I just, That's the you know, way and, and I think it's very common out there now as I've traveled the country and been in many shops. But I, I just... I don't know if I – I'm sure someone did it before me, but I didn't hear about it and, and, and plagiarize that. I was sitting there thinking about setting the expectation. You've got to be clear, not unclear. And I got online on eBay. It wasn't really Craigslist or anything that, that back then, and I bought a, a male mannequin. And we bought him a uniform, and we dressed him, and my wife ironed his pants and shirt, and we pressed it, and I put the right shoe and belt and everything on him that was required, and I hung a sign above his head in the training room that said, Do you look like me? And put a full-length mirror right beside him. So you could check it out and see if you did look like him. See, I think this is so important because what you said is I didn't want it to slip by. You establish discipline. My my friend, you know Al Levy, oh, I think yeah. the world of Al, and he says that from the small, the big can grow. But if you won't do this to demonstrate your standards with being on time and dressed right and filling out your paperwork, you're right. You you have not earned the right to hold folks accountable for sales systems. It's too big a jump. Right. But I'm, then you, you've seen it. Talk about this, though. This I think this is really important because you put these systems in place and you reinforce them and you're willing to fire somebody. Isn't there this moment where you think they're never going to get it and then all of a sudden it start, the tide starts to turn? Describe that. It, it does, and that's what, a little bit I was trying to say earlier. That you, you think, I mean, I'm so tired of... of where I was at the point of people not doing what, you know, the standard couldn't be any more clear. I'm willing to write them up and eventually fire them. And quite frankly, sometimes we did, and that would eventually get the heads of people to turn. And then the culture shifts. You don't have those battles. Does one? Does a guy slip up and, you know, wear his, wear his pants that have a hole in them one day? He does. But, you know, that was one of the things that I would used to – I would go out in the shop, me and my partner would be talking about the day, the day before. We'd pass a tech and say, good morning. I'd stop my partner and look at him, and I'd say – he doesn't have his belt on, and 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 Scott had a challenge seeing that vision. I mean, he he he's a laser beam on numbers, but but you know the big wide angle was a little bit different for him, and he would he would agree to that. We we complimented each other there. It wasn't uh-huh. my thing that he had, but you know we we hold the standard. And next thing you know, you look at the mannequin's missing its belt, but the guy <laughs> would go get it, put it on, and go run the <laughs> run the call because that's who we were. 
and 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 I have a young lady working with me now who is from there, uh, moved from Tennessee, and and we as we did the interview process, you know, we just went and did reminiscent Lane, and she's like, you know, that's who made us. That's 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 who we were, and I love that. And you know, and, and when you get this team behind you of everybody saying this is who we are, then it's not the owner pulling on that tug of war rope. It's you got a you got a big group behind you. And it just now, takes and, some time. Look at now. This is we're going to get into to where you are now, and it's so exciting. But to, to talk about how you make that culture change, you reminded me once upon a time when I became a manager at a restaurant. I was about 25 years old, and I had no idea what I was doing, none whatsoever. And the one thing I held on to was clean was good and dirty was bad, particularly at a restaurant. And I've yet to meet a business where that isn't true. By the way. Clean is always good and dirty is always bad. And so what I latched on to as a manager was making sure that everything was spit spot clean. And I ran into somebody 20 years later who said, I remember when you used to check us out with a flashlight. They were proud that I held them to such standards. They're still talking about it. It becomes legend, like you're discovering, and what a lovely thing to create. Even when at the time I remember thinking, these people hate my guts. They don't. They like the the right stuff. People like those kind of standards. Well, and two, we 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 are hard to work for with them, but we like uh-huh. they like the standards. They want to play on a winning team, and they want to play on the best team. No one wants to say you know you you play on the worst or even a losing team. But with that, we are able to go to the next level of hold, of implementing things as sales standards and and getting the company to grow, which includes profits. And we're able to pay them better. And that was something we prided on is, yeah, we're going to wash our trucks on Monday. Quite frankly, we're going to wash them every Monday, rain or shine. And we did. Mm-hmm. And there I was out there in my white cotton T-shirt. I took my tie off. I took off my white button down, and I would wash my company-provided pickup right with them. It's great to hear about their weekend and all the stuff that ran on emergency service. Did we do any sales and all that stuff? But it's who we were. And one day we were well, – a helper was out. Something was going on, and the backhoe crew needed – a bell of straw. Where every dig job we would cover up with and seed and straw the yard. So I said, I'll go get it. And I went to a um, nursery and got this bale of straw. Of course, my truck says to have under plumbing, heating, and cooling on the side. And this guy said, you know, I didn't have a shirt with a name on it. And he said, man, I wish I had what Mr. Hunter spends on Armor All. Those truck wheels are shining every time I see them. And it made me feel so good because that was the standard. And you couldn't roll out of the building until you sprayed silicone dressing across your tires. And that's who we were. I think that's I think that's so cool. Okay, so you became a teacher from teaching your own guys. That was your first classroom because, you know, we, we, we look at our, our careers and then you expanded and started teaching other people within the industry, within uh, Contractors 2000 and then beyond. So as you start to get your, your, you know, you've got your company where it's pretty successful, money, I like to say money buys options, you've now got some options for yourself and for your team. Um at what point did you decide maybe I should sell my company and, and move on to another area in the industry? Well, the teaching made me fall in love with helping. People that okay. would embrace the information and go back and make a change, um, you, you know, not all would. As you know, They some some have a hard time stepping out, out of the rut. But the ones that would and to see their businesses grow, and it wasn't Tab Hunter's fault. It was receiving information and, and apply, adapting and applying it and having results. But that did a lot for me. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I remember, you know, the, when when I got paid to train, and one of the first times I realized I got paid was when the check came. I didn't even know they paid you. I was just doing it to help people, so I was blown away by that. And it wasn't a lot of money, it's a but bonus. I, yeah, yeah, they paid me to do that. I knew they flew me there. I didn't know they were going to pay me, um, but that led me to starting to look at the company, starting to look at what's next, uh, the industry where it's going, and um, playing at a bigger level. And I here's high school education only plumber in Nashville, and I know you don't like for me to talk like that. You told me stop it once, but I'm just giving you the history, and I, I wanted to go I out and I am. <laughs> quit selling myself Well, I short. think just it's not the fact that you have a high school education. I am the first to say that college is not what makes someone successful. We've seen too many people like you prove that wrong. And for oh. me, it kind of made me think I was smarter than I was, so that's <laughs> handicap. Well, you what, know, I think the things I you learn in life, you, you know, it, you, can't, you can't get that in college. You know so much of the trade and of, of what, what you do with that skill set. But I do know that, too, sometimes you can feel like I'm not college-educated and that, you know, I think uh, Frank Blau says 
in our industry, in a lot of industries, or maybe with people across the board, self-esteem is such a, a, a heavy bag to bear. Right. You know, and setting aside some of those self-esteem issues can help you be more successful. So I'm I'm sorry to interrupt and clarify no, there. Hold great. I, you know, keep this in mind, even though I joke, because the thing I wanted to say was, you know, going to a different level and playing out on a different big, uh, a bigger level than just staying in Nashville and being this contractor forever. And one thing I've always said, and I say it to my people, and I mean for them to say it out loud, because I chose this for a living, or in better, in some cases, it chose me. Don't tell me what kind of car I can drive. Don't tell me my yeah. kids can't go to private school or I can't join a country club. I've always felt that way. And nice. I'm very proud of, of what we do and how we serve the community and that we get paid really well to do it. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, so, I, just, I feel like such a proud mother when you're you. <laughs> well, I had the opportunity to sell <laughs> my company. proud. Okay, so you're, you are looking at the industry and you're looking at your options and You've, uh, you're a guy who I, I, I would venture to say likes to keep things interesting because you might get bored easily. I, I would say you're, you, you know me very well. Yeah. So I mean, okay. the, so the business is running. I'm 35, 37 years old, playing golf with with a bunch of guys that are 70, and none of my buddies can come out and play during the week. So I'm, I'm looking to do some more, and I'm looking to get out on another level. And and to, to do that, you know, we also looked at a, a financial gain for not only my family, my partners, and opportunities for our people. And uh, we decided to do it. I mean, we we had meetings, we talked about it, and obviously Jackie and I, my wife, had to bless it, and we said, let's go, which which required a move. So here's here's a family that's never lived outside of Nashville, Tennessee, ever. Okay, so you're gonna your your decision is to sell your company and move. Yes, that was so part of the deal. Because um, I know that, but I don't think we made that clear. Yeah, um, well, there was early. you know was the, uh, the opportunity to join with the people who bought us. Uh, and, and work inside their organization and help grow and help grow that company was it appealing to me now here's look at this here i'm going to get a boss i, I was yeah. self-employed as you mentioned in my early 20s i hadn't really ever had a boss except for the man that taught me plumbing i was a little scared and going into a corporation versus a small business um it was i'm a little scared i was a lot scared uh-huh. i didn't know if it was going to work or not or if i could make it happen and, you know, we lost, I mean, the, the emotional piece of, of moving and moving kids and school, I'm, I'm sure a bunch of your clients and listeners are, have done that, but not for me. So it was a big leap, big leap. And uh, it went very well. It went very well. We adjusted very well. Uh, Florida doesn't stink, so I'll keep it clean. <laughs> Florida's a nice place to live. And we we enjoyed it tremendously, tremendously. We we did a good job at, at, at our work. Um we grew the business very well and had some fun. I traveled a lot. I traveled a ton. And I didn't let me, like let me inter- interrupt here, too, because this was such a full circle moment. So when I was the president of Benjamin Franklin Franchising, I twisted your arm every which way I could to get you to become a franchisee. But you were pretty clear that, no, if I, if I join that team, I want to play at a, at a different level. And uh, I respected that. And when you left, it was with, it was with a, a whole bunch of pride that I saw you take on my old position right. as president of the of the franchise organization. So it's funny, you know, that's worth mentioning too. That you never know what side of the table you're going to be sitting on, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. I, you don't. I, and, and you're right. I, I did uh, politely decline um, when you made your calls to me. And as a friend, you know, I I, I just. I told you. I said, "Let me come in here, and 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 I'm in. Send the send the mm-hmm. stuff." And you said, "You know, get in like everybody else and do what you're supposed to do, and get there yourself." So, I I, I get that. Uh, maybe we had a little ego talking on my behalf. Maybe I don't know, but I we think did it do turned that. out we, fantastic. We, and I remember saying, "This is the guy you want on the team," because <laughs> I, I I knew that you would be. Uh, an asset, an asset to the organization. Hey, just a reminder, if you called in today, you can ask questions by just pressing the number one. I'll keep an eye on the switchboard, and um, I'll interrupt Tab. Uh, but, you know, this is pretty interesting. So, Tab, let me let you uh, carry on. So now you're working. You're uh, a company man now. You're traveling a lot. You don't have your own business anymore, and you do indeed have a boss. How's that sitting with you? You know, it was fine. There was never really any challenges. Uh, I went to work for Rebecca Castle and. and who, who recruited me and and wanted me on the team? So it made me uh, feel welcome, and and also too, I was um, at a, at a executive level where I got to make my own decisions instead of hey, get this done today by 5:30. That would have killed me. Uh, I just uh-huh. couldn't have done that. And so I, you know, here's the task at hand: go make it happen. And I enjoyed that piece of it uh, a lot. 
and um, you know we did well. We grew. Um, she was re- she was promoted, and I was promoted by her, and became the president at that time. And then I'm thinking, oh man, all the stuff I want to do different here. I'm going to do all kinds of things different. And it was it was it was a, a challenge for me because ta- a big problem that I have, and I don't know how many of our your listeners and clients you see this, Ellen, but you know when Tab wants something done, I want it done by Friday at two thirty. And some things can't be done that way, and so I get I get a little frustrated sometimes and not get it you know not getting it done. But you know I, I wanted the best for the client first and foremost. I wanted to grow this thing and 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 make it happen. And and we and we did we did fine. So you know different clients as you start to work even on start as you've been working for years now you see they're all at different levels. So we had to categorize and make sure we're giving everybody the best service we can all the while grow the brand. I had to build a team, but. We had a VP in place of, of operations, a VP of sales. Um, my my workload got easier. If you, uh, I shouldn't say easier. I was able to let the people do their job. How about that? And then nice. I started doing some traveling uh, to help another division. That got a little tough on me. I was several months out uh, in the West Coast. Um, still not 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 showing it as much, but 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 in time it takes its toll and i didn't like it i didn't i didn't like that a lot but that wasn't that wasn't the the demise or the end of me there i just you know as we kept going and growing and i also went down to to play inside a, a world of what we we believed would be a public offering and and i wanted to experience that in my life i wanted to be a part of that uh, of an executive team that helped us get to um the public markets that didn't happen, and, and we saw that that opportunity was going away until who knows when with the world we live in today. Mm-hmm. Traveling, um, you know, and I'll tell you, I, I told I told our clients this, and, you know, I don't know what, what's said. I mean, I literally left a, a year ago this month and don't, I mean, other than the closest of friends all? that keep up with you. It's, just, it's so weird. Time is so weird anymore. Like at you one believe case, that? Like five minutes ago and another in another. Uh, yeah. There, uh, this week is this week is exactly ago. a year. Um but you know, I, you I tell you, stay something, retired for long. <laughs> <laughs> something that something that did it for me, as you know, I've got three daughters, Carly, Kennedy, and Cassidy. Carly is fifteen, will be sixteen. So last year she was fourteen, and I'm telling you, Ellen, she looks like a grown woman. And I I had this cold chill coming over me, taking her to school one day in my suit and tie, and going to work, and probably would see her when she's about ready to go to bed. And I just said, you know, I'm I'm scared that I'm going to wake up one day and be driving her to her university, and that bothered me really bad. Uh-huh. And I went in and sat down with the CEO and told him that I don't think it's for me anymore. And he did everything right as far as trying to make it right for me and and, and then moving to the clients and making it right for them. So uh, on good terms, shaking hands and saying wishing well, and I just needed a break. And I took a, I told myself I was going to take a year off, but <laughs> it didn't quite oh, last. Almost <laughs> a year. What? Three quarters of one? Half of one? Yeah, a little more than three quarters, if you, if, I guess. So. Okay, but, now uh, let me let me talk about this too, because some of the conversation we had in between, I'm finding this uh, particularly interesting, personally interesting, as well as just a, an observer of okay. humankind. That so many people sell their businesses flirt with different kind of businesses, and lo and behold, go start the exact type of business again. Now, in between what you're currently doing and leaving Benjamin Franklin, you flirted with some different kinds of businesses. And I don't know that some of those might still um, come to fruition, but it looks like you're back in the saddle as far as uh, uh, plumbing, heating, cooling again, right? Well, just plumbing right now. Just plumbing, Um, Okay. Just yeah, it's only a plumbing company. We made an acquisition on September 27th. Okay. And, um, you know, I actually was in a meeting with some friends in Dallas, Texas, Jamie Carter, as you know. Jamie and Lisa had gave me this lead. They were looking to move to Sarasota. And Jamie was at this meeting and said, you ought to look at this. What are you going to do, Tab? And I said, I don't know. I'm <laughs> kind of enjoying nothing right now. And he said, well, there's a good little company in your backyard. You ought to look at it. And I didn't really even entertain it for several months later, and he and I were communicating on other things and emails, and he said, did you ever call that company? And I said, no. And he just shot the number and said, here's the guy, you know, I can't tell you anything. I'm under agreement, but, you know, I could definitely, you can drop my name and say. So I had lunch with a guy and, and looked at it, and I still didn't know Ellen. I mean, I was like, I don't know if I really want to get back in this or not. But it was such, it was so appealing to see the opportunity and, and to know that they're, 
there's there's a surface to start scratching on. Not not that there's a tip of an iceberg showing, but there's something under there. And if you can go and, as you and I talked today, even about, you know, I think I look at this thing and say, well, I know what I can do. I think I might just mm-hmm. do this and have some fun. So we uh, moved down a path and. Well, let's and, talk and we about this in general. Too, it wasn't that easy. You and I but. both have have had a lot of experience um, working with companies who are buying and selling. What what thoughts would you like to share about uh, buying companies and maybe even selling companies? I you know I'm a big fan of acquisition as a as a growth strategy. Right. Um, from your perspective, if if someone's thinking about buying a company, what are some what are some tips or some ideas that you might uh, uh, encourage them to to think about before they they uh, dive in? Well, you know, there's never been an opportunity, I think, than right now or, or for the last year or so, maybe even two, to, to really find some opportune buys. Um, in Nashville, I had bought two and then sold mine. The two I bought were simple buys, you know, asset purchases, basically negotiating with an owner, what do you want, Can I, and will I pay it? Do I think I'll get my return back and how long? To, to a very detailed sale where I sold my business to uh, Clockwork, where there was this grueling auditors in my office every day so you know i i got to see both sides but i think the thing you've got to understand is how am i gonna what, what does day one look like and you and that's part of your due diligence is to see what am i going to do first what am i going to do second what am i going to do third not only yes you've got to find out what does the owner want and let me back up just a little bit today i had lunch with an owner a different owner a competitor if you will here who wants to sell merge or move on Ooh, um, i'm rubbing my hands together and that I got an email last good. night. Well, I was looking at a different company. I was looking at a different company. And, and when Jamie gave me this lead, and I basically I did I, I signed everything, the due diligence. I mean, I did the whole non-confidentiality, and I looked at it, and I'm you know, negotiating with him, and this other one came up. It was a better opportunity. I sent him a nice email telling him that I'm going to move down a different path with a different company. He sent me an email last night that said, due to, due to ongoing health issues, uh, I've listed my company with a broker at a much reduced price and have excluded your name from the commission report since we've already spoke. Let me know if you have any interest. So, so I fired him back an email and said, what's the price now? And he had said half of what we were talking about when I was looking at it. So, you know, it's opportunity one. You know, what is? there's so many th- ways to do it. You don't just have to stroke checks. You know, some people are willing to take some cash, which I see they probably want. Some, they're looking for some some little egg of some kind, but a lot will take and hold notes for you. Mm-hmm. They'll 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 take percentages of, of invoices that you can crank out. Um, you know, there's just a different way to do it all the time. You got to make sure that you have a team in place that can help you. Now, and let me here's something to think about. You know, we bought the assets, so the old entity basically doesn't have any assets. A new entity that we formed buys those, which includes the name and the phone numbers and all the good stuff that you want. But think about shutting and changing everything over. I mean, from phones to gas to power, you've got to pay new deposits. You don't have any credit history with the vendors. Now, I don't because I'm in a different city. Your listeners more than likely are going to be in a city where they've got vendors and they've got things, and that's not a big deal. But it was a big deal for us. Now, I don't. I would go to so let's go to a, to a Ferguson. Most people have Fergusons or an HD or whatever. Mm-hmm. They've never heard of us. You know, how, how are they going to give me a line of credit at the supply house? And I'm definitely not going to start out on cash basis. So we had to negotiate what, those things. What's interesting, though, is now, you know, just the way that the, the universe will turn and the, the tide changes. Now that you've established this company, not only did another acquisition come to you, you start to attract that, but you're going to have the credibility you need at the, you know, to engage another acquisition without going through the headaches you did with this first one. Right. Right. So that's pretty exciting. So how did you overcome that? Was it just persistence? It was some persistence. I mean, the original – okay, there's a piece of the story of the company that I bought. It's 30 years old. 29 years old this year will be 30 when, it, when the year crosses over to 11. So it's 29-year-old business. The original founder sold it 10 years ago to the man I bought it from. The man I bought it from is an absentee gazillionaire out of, out of a, sta- a city that's you know 60 miles away. So he's never stepped foot on the property, but three times in the ten years he's owned it. Huh. That's a little challenging. I got a guy that doesn't need money, quite frankly, and just sort of wants to get rid of this little headache down in my city, Sarasota. So, you know, but that owner, the original, made some phone calls, who had a fantastic name with him, and said, "This is the guy." 
And on his name, some said, okay, with your word, it's, we're good. i tell you what, something else I did. I called my old supply houses back in uh, Nashville and said, I'm going to give somebody your number, and I want you to tell them how we did from August 4, 2006 backwards. Tell them how we paid our bills because that's the day I sold it. And I can't. I don't know. I don't know what went on afterwards. I know everything was fine, but that's what I'm responsible for. Right. Some great credit references there. So we overcame them. There's nowhere that we didn't get it overcome, and it's just it's just work. So be prepared well, for that. Well, let, type let of me stuff. interrupt because we've got a we've got a, a question, which is okay. fun. Um, and <clears throat> before the top of the hour, just so you know, we're also going to talk about when he bought the company, the turnaround steps. We're going to talk a little bit about. Franchising, if we have time, because I think we're both kind of enamored with that that model, which is fun. So um, let's uh, interrupt for a moment and uh, take a caller, shall we? Now, sure. I'm going to announce the last four digits of your phone number and put you on the air. So if your phone number ends in 2500, go ahead and say howdy and ask your question. That's me, Ellen. How you doing? It's Ray the Plumber. Ah. <laughs> it's always like summer camp on the radio call. Ray the Plumber is another aggressive, progressive contractor up in New York. If you can't tell by his voice already, Tab. You can already, like, don't we? Right. How hey, you doing, Ray. Ellen? How you doing, Tab? Hey, great, Ray. How you doing? Can you guys hear me? I'm on a speakerphone. You, we can hear you great. Hey, great. Well, listen, Ellen, I have literally 100 questions for Tab. I mean, I wish I could <laughs> well, ask them all. Just one. Ray I can is relate, the I can relate okay, with so much favorite. stuff. That you guys were talking about, um, that tab you were talking about when yes, you sir. first started out, and all those when you implemented all those non-negotiable standards and the guys that did dress code in the trucks. I do the same thing here. And uh, since Ellen, you've been here, I think we were four trucks. I don't think you were four trucks yet. I don't think so. I, I know we were right around there. I think I had just started three or four trucks. Yeah, well, I mean you were just getting going. Wow. Well. Tomorrow, um, I'm getting my 11th truck delivered from Holton Woolard over there oh, in Hackney. Oh, you're making me That's cry. Great. That's so exciting. We're opening our third location. We're in Hampton starting, you know, probably the first of the month, which is Monday. I, I just, uh, you know, got a couple of final things going there today. But uh, it's going to be an unbelievable show out there, and I can't Excellent. wait. I'm going so there every day. On Monday. So it's been great. Um, what I wanted to know specifically, Tab, you know, because I am really, I've grown a very, you know, progressive and aggressive plumbing and, you know, heating and drain cleaning service company. I am so, I want so bad to make that next step, what you were talking about, that division for the AC. Uh, can we talk specifically about that? Sure. What, 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 what more would you well, like to know specifically? You know, you said you hired a consultant, I think. I don't know if it was in regard to that. Um, I don't know, honestly. You know, obviously I have a bunch of ideas. You know, do I hire techs? How did you do it, though? Did you well, hire a consultant for that division? I didn't hire consulting for that. What I hired the consulting for was to monitor our operations and to um, bottle them, if you will, so we could go into our multiple locations like you have. I wanted to, how, as Ellen puts it, how is the hub going to talk out to the spokes? And, and I was preparing for that. I never got there because we sold our company. Uh, but specifically to heating uh, and air, we hired people, uh, technicians, that we were looking for our first tech. And, and just so you know, every single person, this is just my story, not to say it doesn't work any other way, every single person we hired in the first phase, and I want to call a phase maybe a year, didn't make it. Not only because of the standards that we've put, and it sounds like that you have, but also, too, we had a bunch of plumbers telling them how to sell some stuff. We hired a lot of the wrong people. Um, you know, and, and for the heating techies on the phone, I remember we did an example for them one day of a Schrader valve, and we and we and we and we brought all the plumbers in, and we showed them a Schrader valve, and we said, "How much do you think this would repair?" No, I'm sorry, we didn't show it to them. We said, "We want you to write down on a piece of paper how much is a Schrader valve repair." Now, listen, the whole Schrader valve is bad. So uh, you're going to have to replace the entire Schrader valve. And these are the plumbers that have been with us since we made the conversion in '96, and, and we're selling plumbers. So they wrote down everything from 350 to $1,150, and we had the HVAC tech up, stand up and, and say, "Show them a Schrader valve." And for those that don't know, it's basically the little pin that goes inside an inner tube on a bicycle, but it is it's a it's a valve on how you fill. Uh, where the gauges and everything go. So it's it's like a, I don't know, I'm going to guess a 15-cent piece. Right. But our mentality of our heat and air guys was so bad, how to add on, how to sell, how to sell a maintenance agreement, do a quality inspection, and then possibly go towards a unit. We literally, and I don't know it was part of the plan, Ray, we just turned them. We had to turn them because we were dying. It didn't take off 
you know, 18 months later, it was 68% of your business. Keep in mind, the heating average ticket and AC average ticket's pretty darn big when you're doing some replacements. Well, let me add this, too, because this this is going to get us, um, this is going to dovetail with what we were talking about. Did you mention um, before, Tab, that you intended to start your HVAC department with an acquisition? With a total acquisition. I didn't want to do it from scratch. I, I knew right. the value okay. of the phone ring. Ray, I would, I would suggest that. As well, and we can talk more about that. Give me a call, but it, to to okay. grow with an acquisition with a new division is definitely something you want to want to. It's look a at very uncomfortable you when plan. you're when you're not you know anything with the plumbing and the heating. I can kind of you know deal with the air conditioning. I'm not, I'm technically challenged completely. But that can and be to your advantage. So, so um uh Tab, because you you didn't know the first thing about HVAC. No, and I made a buddy. I yeah. got a buddy, and actually she talked about us joining at C2000. Do you remember? There was a, a friend of mine that joined it. I wasn't a friend, but he was in the same city. He was a heat and air, and I was plumbing. We called him on the phone, and I'm sorry, what did you say? Ellen? Did you hear me? Hello. Did we lose Ellen? I don't know. Anyways, we'll listen for see if she can come back on. There was a buddy yeah. that I called that was technical, Ray, and my guys literally right. got his Nextel code, and he walked us through some stuff. So wow. I had a little bit of a security blanket that I had a friend in the industry that said, you know what, and we threw him some money every now and then, maybe a, a gift certificate for dinner for his wife, right. him, but I got that little security blanket, and I just went for it. Yeah, well, I that guess was, that's That was a good question. Ray, it is such a, a pleasure to say howdy to you, and congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Call me later about the acquisition option. Okay, great. And if you're and, talking um, later, and I just want to get, uh, I want to tackle a couple more topics before okay. we let go. Tab. So if there's another caller, raise your hand now. Uh, Ray, thank you, darling. You're welcome. Say Talk hi to, to Mr. Soon. Thanks, Thanks, Ray. I will. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what I want to get at before we run out of time, because I know how fast this this call will go. Okay. Now that you bought the company. Um, did it close the first day that you thought it was going to close? Because this is something folks don't understand either. <laughs> no, actually, you know, we we fell apart twice. Okay. Um, I was able to talk to the owner. The way I did my due diligence, I was able to convince the owner to let me come in as a consultant and work with the guys. And I wanted to see what I was getting. And I wanted to see it inside. I didn't want to go in a room with a box of stuff and dig through it. I love this. And the guy said, okay. And they literally let me see anything. I mean, I got there, they gave me a laptop. They didn't pay me. I wasn't paid consultant. I didn't do that. I was just there. I wasn't doing anything else anyways, but I showed up in the morning. I did tech meetings. Um, the company's small, and they were struggling. Well, that first month, we doubled their sales just working with them on some basics, and that was in June of this year. Well, me and the owner fell apart on a pricing issue, and I left in July. I gave them all their stuff back and left. Went to a my honeymoon, 20 years later, I went to my anniversary trip. My wife and I are traveling, and, uh, you know, the the owner sends me an email that said, it's a shame we fell apart. And I put, yeah, it's a shame. It's, good. it's a good company. There's good people. It needs somebody to work it, but there's something there. And I just put a sentence at the end that said, if you can be flexible, maybe I can too. And my phone rang, and it was him. And he said, you know, I'm sitting in Hawaii. He said, what are you thinking about? So I told him. He said, let's do it. I had a verbal, and we started moving down the pipe. Almost fell out again. And, um, you know, I wanted to close by September 1. We wound, we wound up making it on the, the 28th. So, no, there's lots of bumps in the road. We but fell you apart have, again. You had a third-party problem on this second time through, and this is really common. I want to bring this up, too. You had a deal with the owner, and it falls apart so often at that point. We call it a third-party problem, which that means that means there's somebody else who's stirring up trouble, and that was the situation that you found yourself in too, right? Right. There, he had hired a, a, an accounting bookkeeper to to watch his business, knew nothing about the trade or the business, the operations, let me say that, and he really, I think, didn't want to leave and wanted mm-hmm. a job and was really just looking for a good manager. So he sort of sabotaged the deal a couple of times, and, and I'll tell you, I don't know about sabotage, that's the wrong word, he definitely prolonged this deal, prolonged it and prolonged it and prolonged it, and I had to send a letter to the email, to the owner and said, do you want to sell or do you want a daggum good manager? Because I can find you one, but that ain't me. I'm not. I don't right. want to be a GM. And he said, "No, I want to sell." And I said, "Get him out of my way." And he did. We made it happen. 
I'm just loving how you're illustrating what it takes to go over, under, around, and through these uh, uh, roadblocks and your willingness to walk away from the deal, to walk away from a deal where you actually invested your time and energy to go down and consult, turn some sales around, have an impact on the company. But when you're willing to walk away from the deal, you know there's another deal you could find out there. It puts you in such a powerful negotiating position. So you buy the company, you come to terms, you shake hands, you announced to the guys that I was your consultant and now I'm the new owner. <laughs> well, they, they they did it a little bit prior, but yes, that's how we did. And they all said, yeah, we knew it because Jamie Carter was a consultant too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the guys at this point are probably thinking, well, the good guys are probably thinking, I'm, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of being in limbo. It's time to get go, go, going. When you came, did you have to um, – uh, clear the decks. Did a lot of people have to go? A few um, people have to I go? knew of three that would not make it, um, and and I and I I feel like that I wanted to get as much out of their mind as possible on the way that we do things, especially the internal operating people, the office staff, uh, techs. The the, two, the the one tech I knew wouldn't make it. Um, D hired himself, and mm-hmm. we knew that. And we set the expectation. We set our goals as I was working with them off realistic numbers, and they're not where the company needs to be. Now we've bumped them in October and showed them exactly how to get there. If we can provide you the call counts, here's what you've got to do to make the numbers happen. And they're all over it. They're tearing it up. And this guy dehired well, let's himself. Let's talk about that then. You, know, right. you, you made reference to this um, once upon a time, that when you're going to buy a company, you've got to think about what are you going to do first, second, and third. What did you do first, second, and third? <laughs> well, right before I closed, I, or when I was there consulting, I kept looking in the dumpster. And I, I bet you haven't heard that on your show. But if you're looking no. at one, go look in the dumpster. I love it. There was it. no repair parts anywhere. There was no dead repair parts. There wasn't any broken ball cocks and flappers and faucets or anything. So, so they're, they're not, not doing so much. They're not replacing things. <laughs> they're not replacing. And I smiled the other day because I went and got the original owner who's there with us. I said, go look in the dumpster. He said, man, this stuff's, <laughs> he said, this stuff's flying off the shelf, isn't it? And I said, it certainly is. <laughs> but... Um, you know, first thing we need to do is, is something that I talk about, and I talked about it from the last, last couple times I presented from stage, is, you know, it's the hard stuff. It's not the fun stuff. Everybody wants to get to the fun level, but, you know, we had to truck through. We, gotta, we had to. We're trucking through the mud, and it's me doing it. I'm not I'm, – I'm not, I, I can't. It's a small company. I don't have somebody doing it for me. I'm there every day. You know, the foundation, we're going to do you – know, my, my philosophy is easy. I've been around people that think that they can make a, and I'm going to talk plumbing, sorry you have different trades, but they think they can make a staff of, of 12 plumbers or 10 plumbers or 8 plumbers be this versatile selling monsters. And I, when I talk about selling, you know what I mean with the highest degree of ethics and honesty, but it is what we're doing. And, you know, they think they can make these people well-versed in repipes, tankless, water purification, you know, all these average tickets. That's not me. I believe that we should kill them with kindness. Make them buy from you, whatever it was they called about Friends buy from friends. Get that one done first. Yep. We trained we trained every day on a service agreement and the value bucket pieces of a service agreement because if you can't get techs believing in a service agreement, you can forget them hitting a, a good key performance number on those service agreements. And then I showed them how to do a quality inspection. I role-played with them, and I rode along. We found add-ons that were needed, and we got an good average thoughts. ticket. To, you got to ride along, to right? I mean, how do you get them to fall? In, how do you get your team to fall in love with you if you won't spend some time with them? You know, and 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 sort of seeing is believing, or, or do what you say you want them to do. I'm not. I mm-hmm. tell them my job's not to go get in a truck every day, but I got to ensure our company's doing what we're doing so you can have success. My job's go get you more calls. That's what I should be doing. Yeah, but riding along, that's where that's where they take a bullet for you. That's where yeah. you find out about their family. That's what. No bad thing comes from getting yourself in the truck. <laughs> Absolutely. So what else specifically, um, as you come in there and you think there are a zillion things to do, do you um, do you have a written business plan? Do you put your top projects list together? I do, I do. And, and, and the top projects list is probably where the spotlight of focus is on more. I would sit and just write and write and write. Just chicken scratch my handwriting on a legal pad. And then I would sit down, and then I would start to I, – I, you can't go one, two, three, four on a big, long list. You can no. say these things are important to me now. You Put can a pick one your by top five. Things. That's what Al Levy teaches. He, he focuses on five at a time. Yeah, and, and, and then, you know, so I just make my plan for the week and say – and I tell, I tell them every day this is where we're going to be. And I tell them, Ellen, it's tough getting to the other side. You know, I know this. You're going to feel some pain. 
I mean, their paperwork has changed. Their, their accountability for, uh, you know, getting a deposit on a job that you can't do today. There's steps that have to happen to that and ways to protect the company so we get paid and don't get our knees cut out from under us by the competition. You've got to go over the steps in order, and they've got to just take it a bite at a time. So every week I lay out what we're trying to achieve, and it was top eight things. We're going here, and then we're not going to move until we're, until we're ready. And I congratulated them in the last tech meeting last Wednesday. I said, we've moved. We're going to go for, you know, now we're moving into water softening and filtration training because you're, you're ready now. You weren't ready when you couldn't sell service agreements, but now the shop has a, the shop has a 67% conversion rate on service agreements. And for that's plumbing. Pretty, yeah, that's pretty good. That's really good. And we're selling that's perpetual. Really good. What about the, um, the um, internal systems, uh, uh, software program? I know you, you say you don't like numbers, but you know enough about numbers to keep it simple and to, to pay attention. What about the accounting system? Any overhauls, anything that you had to do in, internally to, uh, to get to minimum standards of performance? No. Um, no. To, to answer your question, they did have a software that is a dispatch service business software. It's not something that I'm familiar with. And it and it talks to QuickBooks. So okay, we, good. They had QuickBooks 2010, multi-user version, and this, and so they do one invoice closeout data entry, and they talk together. Now uh-huh. I got some really good people that are doing that, um, and I tell you what I did is I hired the company that sold the software to them to do a two-hour webinar for all of the new people that I've brought on and said, teach us this. And I would say, okay, I want to see an ad track analysis report, something that I'm familiar with from my old software. And uh-huh. here's, here's exactly how you do it. And we all took notes and we recorded it. So um didn't have okay, to be Okay, well, what's, we've got a few minutes left. What's next for you? Oh, just having a, I'm telling you this, I'm having an absolute ball. I talk about <laughs> trucking in the mud. I talk, I, I am, I, I, I can't. I can't get there early enough, and I'm just having so much fun. It's so good to see these guys be rewarded. And they come in, they grab me in the parking lot, and they tell me they met their goal on their second call, and the, now they're ahead because I gave it. You know, the third call was great, and you know we've got a little, we got some spiffs going, we got a few contests. We're going to hand out big fake cardboard checks next Wednesday, the first Wednesday <laughs> after the month ends. And we're just having fun. So. That do sounds fantastic. Well, I see another empire in the making. And um <laughs> so um uh Tab, you're on Facebook, right? Yes. You, is that where folks could find you if they want to stay in touch? Absolutely. Okay, so Tab Hunter, is that yep. your Facebook name? Yeah, there's several out there. One's a Hollywood actor, that's not me. Um <laughs> but yeah, that's older. In you know, Sarasota, Florida. Well, um, Tab, it's always a joy, and if you're listening to this call, this is this. I just love doing what I do so much. And at Bare Bones Biz, we help you start, fix, and grow your winning businesses. What I've learned is a business plan can help you clarify your vision and then hold yourself accountable for getting it done. So you can see I've learned what I know by talking to smart people like Tab, and we've pulled some of the, the brightest and best ideas that seem to resonate and work not only for me but for the smart people that I visit with and, and get to know, and I'm so so fortunate to have in my Rolodex. A business plan can help you get focused and make things happen. And, Tab, you're such a, a, a great example of uh, of doing just that, setting your sights on what you want, and then taking inspired action in that direction, even if it means you have to change course or go over, under, around a rock that's in your road, you just make things happen and you do it with joy. Well, that's what that's what successful business owners do. I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. I'm I'm happy you had me on. It's good to talk. Yay. It's good to use my brain again. It was going jello for about a year. So. Oh, was, <laughs> no, this is saying you had all these other business ideas. Who knows? The next time I talk to you, you're probably going to have locations three, four, and five. You'll be all often running uh with with some something uh, even uh, uh bigger and better but congratulations to you oh that's the thank end you. thank you very much and, and your family and your um d- developing team how exciting right. yes I was, they're great they're great very good um can you what's the name of your company i haven't even asked that can uh, I, can it you is share pritchard that? plumbing it's called pritchard plumbing yeah, yeah the, the, so that the, the original founder was tim pritchard so it's p-r-i-t-c-h-a-r-d just like a lot of people named their business after themselves, which is fine. We had to have Hunter Plumbing. Um, so, uh, named yeah, after the Richard movie Plumbing. star? I mean you. What's that? Which <laughs> named after the movie star? I mean you. Yeah, yeah, named after the movie star. <laughs> so it, it's a good little company. They've got a little new construction I'm dealing with right now, but other than that, it's it's good stuff, really good stuff. Well, I think you're absolutely fantastic. Anything that you came to the call today that you really wanted to share that I haven't given you the opportunity to share yet? 
Not really. I mean, I think it was. I think it's good. It's good to talk about it. You know, I mean, this, this, what we're doing today, we're seeing the results. We're doing what you know the basics right now, the foundation, I call it, and we stay focused on that. We won't stray from it until I can't say mastered, but till we got it pretty darn good, and then we go and we build on that foundation, and that's all we're focused on right now. And the foundation's all counts and production. I talk a lot about production, but you know, one of the first things on that list was getting better at answering the phone. We need more gasoline. So there's just a lot of things that go on that foundation list. You just got to stay focused on. Well, come back and see us at the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. If you go to barebonesbiz.com, click on the radio tab and enter your name and email address. We'll uh, send you our next. Um, we'll send you the next uh, uh, a show. You can on Blog Talk Radio too. Search for Bare Bones Biz, and this show will be uh, uh, cached there, as well as a whole bunch of other great shows that we've put together uh, with other terrific business owners. So, um, and if you want to put your business plan together, check out the Bare Bones Biz Plan at barebonesbiz.com. All right, I got a little groovy little outro. I'm going to press now. So uh, this means goodbye, Tab. Bye, Ellen. Thank you for having me. Thanks, honey. Bye, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, no. We're out of time. Thanks to my super smart guest, and thank you for joining us. You can listen in again at blogtalkradio.com slash barebonesbiz. So, down with the ball and chain of 20-hour workdays and piles of debt. Make some money. Fix and grow your own extraordinary business. And until next time, this is Ellen. I wish you love, peace, prosperity, and freedom.